0: Good afternoon, everyone. Um, I'm not sure if it's the afternoon you're watching this or or maybe it's Sunday morning or some other time. It's afternoon with me. Um, And yeah, I hope you're all doing well, wherever you are. My name's Johan. I'm the intern here at Amherford Evangelical Church. Um, Yeah, for about three months now. And it's been a a, a pleasure, really, um, getting to know so many of you who I'm sure are watching this. And if we haven't met yet, um, come and say hi to me if you're able to come out on Sunday. Or if not, um, get in touch and I'll pop around for a cup of tea and uh, I'll eat some of your biscuits. Uh, I'll do that for free. I'll do that for free. Um, But yeah, thank you to so many of you who've made me feel so welcome here. Today, as I'm sure you know, we're going to be looking at the start of Colossians, Paul's Thanksgiving at the start of Colossians. Now, what is Colossians? What is is a Colossian? You know, a Colossian is someone who lives in Colossae. It's sort of a fairly small city in Turkey, um, where it was. It, it's no longer around, it's destroyed. And what do we know about Colossae? Well, Colossae is ammanford Let me explain what I mean by that. It's not literally, obviously, because ammanford is in West Wales and Colossae's... Well, it's 2000 years ago we're reading this from, and it's in Never Eat Shredded Wheat, about sort of the eastern half of Turkey, if you're with me. Um, but it, there's some similarities between Colossae and Ammonford. First of all, Colossae was once the place to be, but has fallen on hard times. It was one of the leading cities in the area it was in, um, along a, a quite a rich trade route and a, a really rich, mineral rich river. And so cotton grew and it was a great exporter of cotton and, and lots of references to it as this sort of leading place. And then its star starts to fall The Roman Empire comes along, it changes the trade route, and the nearby cities um, sort of gain this prominence that Clossae once had. We might be able to say the same about Ammonford. I don't know, I'm still getting used to Ammonford, but it feels like it was once this place that was this hub of economic and industrial activity, and has now perhaps fallen to the wayside compared to maybe Clandelo. Again, I don't know, Clandelo seems seems to be pretty cool, Um, and has fallen to the wayside, and it's similar with Colossa once this great city, fallen a little bit. Maybe I'm wrong about Ammonford there, but it f- sort of feels like uh, Ammonford is a bit like that to me. And also it's a very diverse place. Um, lots of different viewpoints, lots of different peoples, lots of different religions. With the uh, Roman empire came this influx of different peoples. You had Jewish people, you had um, sort of a, a mystical cult nearby. And you might say, well, that doesn't sound like Ammonford, but isn't that the connected world we live in now? In the days of internet, we're all connected to each other. We've all got sort of access to unlimited people, unlimited viewpoints. And the whole world's very connected now. So those are two things. One's the place to be and sort of a very connected and diverse place. And it's this wide range of opinions and peoples and beliefs that leads to this early problem that we see in this church. Um, There's calls to return to law keeping from Jews. And um to conform to the Roman ways of life. And there's calls to worship angels and other sort of spiritual activities. And so this early church is struggling with these influences. I studied economics at university, and one module we did was about advertising. And I remember our lecturer saying the key to advertisement, advertising is to show people they're lacking something. Um, that that Life is good, but they're just missing a little bit. If only you had this 46-inch Samsung L, you know, high-definition flat-screen curved TV, then your life would be really complete. You're almost there, but you just need a little bit more. The church is dealing with the same thing in a spiritual way. These lots of different influences have sort of seeped in and saying, if only you had a deeper spiritual experience, if only you had a deeper spiritual knowledge... I mean, your law keeping was a little bit better, and that's sort of starting to seep in, like smoke under a doorway, starting to seep into the church. And it's this problem that Epaphras, the founder, comes to Paul with, and, and takes, sort of goes on a mission, finds Paul in prison, and presents this problem. And Paul sends back this letter that we're reading now, that we're reading the introduction of. And so he sends back this letter, and the main message is Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. You don't need to find your fullness elsewhere. Jesus is enough. So we're going to see three points from this today. The mindset of a Christian, the measure of a Christian, and the miracle of becoming a Christian. So if you get lost at any point, just remember the mindset of a Christian, first of all, the measure of a Christian, and the miracle of becoming a Christian. Um, you might want to think of it as, as Christians. It, this, this, what we see here changes the way we look around us changes the way we look within us, and it changes the way we look above us. Um, so first of all, the mindset of a Christian. Verse 3, I'll read it again. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Yeah, it, this first verse gives us a real insight into the kind of man Paul is, and it gives us a real insight in how we can lead our Christian lives. The first thing that Paul writes when dealing with this church is to praise God and thank Him for them. Notice how Paul, he doesn't start with this problem about fullness. He doesn't start with this, this problem that their lives could just be a little bit better if they just move past Jesus. No, he starts by thanking God. Let me read to you Colossians from the IRT. That's the Yuan Rob translation. My surname's Rob, if you didn't know that. The Yuan Rob translation. And if I was, re- write, if I was writing this letter, Yuan. An intern of Amundford Evangelical Church. To the guys at Colossae, hello. I can't believe it. You've almost lost your faith. You're moving past Jesus. You're seeking a spiritual fullness. Don't do it there. Look at Jesus. Goodbye. It can be so easy to be like that, can't it? Um, don't, don't, don't think about God. Don't start with God. Just the problem. Ah, it's all bad. But not so with Paul. He starts with the truth about God. He starts by putting things in their proper perspective. The positive truth he finds, and then he moves on to dealing with their problems. Paul spends 23 verses dealing with their problem sorry, 23 verses before dealing with their problem, reflecting on the character of God, who they are in God, thanking God for that. And then moves on to deal with the problem. This isn't unique to this letter. In all of his letters, other than Galatians, he does this. And just think about the the letter to the corinthians corinth was this horribly troubled church incestuous relationships getting drunk at the lord's supper infighting um lawsuits against believers it was all going on and paul does exactly the same things he thanks god for them he starts with god starts with his character why does paul do this why does he decide to start with thanksgiving and the character of god well i think it teaches us something I'm calling the Christian mindset that Paul has and that we should always have as well. The Christian mindset is basically to start with the positive truth about the situation. To start with God and about the truth about who he is before moving on to the problem. Paul only moves on to the problem with lack of contentment after he first of all deals with praising God for who he is. Now this Christian mindset is seen in lots of other parts of the Bible maybe most famously it's seen in the Lord's Prayer. Who remembers how, I presume you remember how the, the Lord's Prayer goes? Does it start with give us this day our daily bread and "Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who sin against us? Well no, of course it doesn't. It starts with our Father. It starts with the positive truth about who God is and then we move on to asking God for help in our situations. Jesus teaches us to pray to God as our father, not just any father, but our father in heaven, the powerful and invisible God. We hallow his name, we keep his name holy, we pray for his kingdom, we pray for his will. Only after starting with God and his character, the positive truth about who he is, do we then move on to praying for our problems, our lack of bread, our need for forgiveness. Now, before we think about how this applies to us does this power of positive thinking sound familiar well you might have seen a lot of it on your 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 facebook feed or your tiktok feed or um your myspace feed i don't know what form of social media you use but it's all around us isn't it this was a very famous book the power of positive thinking goes a little bit like you know don't worry you're amazing just smile be happy keep on going it's all going to be okay or keep calm and carry on Positivity. Is that what we're looking at here? Well, we've got to acknowledge there's something amazing about being positive, isn't there? There's something so amazing about having a a, a positive mindset. But that's not what Paul is talking about here. Yes, it's amazing to have a positive mindset, but what this Christian mindset is different in a few ways. Well two ways is what I'll focus on today, but there are more ways, but first of all, the difference is this Christian mindset is real. It's not like this empty sort of positive thinking that is not really based on anything. It's just based on hope and just hope it gets better. Sort of the psychology of it. It doesn't really deal with the reality of the situation. Paul, if we notice here, thanks God. He thanks him as the Lord of our Jesus Christ. He's pointing us back to the real historical Jesus. He's pointing us back to Jesus as reality, as something that's real, not just a pie-in-the-sky hope. We thank God. We start with a positive. We start with something that's real, not some hope. Secondly, it deals with the problem. So often positive thinking says, oh, don't worry about the problem, just be happy. But the problem's still there. The problem doesn't go away. Paul doesn't do that. He says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he thanks him for 23 verses. And then he deals with the problem. You see, there's no... They're not at odds. He deals with them both. He deals with a problem before coming to God in his glory and in his wonder and thanking God. So I hope that deals with that objection. If you do disagree with anything I say, pop me an email, at uan.amondfordchurch.com. I would love to hear your thoughts. Um, yeah, How does this Christian mindset, how should it affect us today? Well, again, lots of ways. And also, if you have any thoughts about how we can apply this Christian mindset to ourselves, or even an encouragement how you've applied this this Christian mindset of starting with God and then dealing with the problem, please shoot me an email. I'd love to hear your thoughts and and to grow as well from from your thoughts. Um, First of all, my thoughts. First of all, how do we approach what we read, hear and see and and listen to on the internet, on our screens, One area in particular is news. We're surrounded by news, 24-hour news. It feels like all we do now is consume news. We're surrounded by bad news, fundamentally, isn't it? Israel, Ukraine, the economy, politics, mental health statistic, ah, it's all so bad, isn't it? And it's there all the time. You just open your phone and bing, another message, something else going wrong a lot. there's a better way of viewing the news when we approach with this Christian mindset. Um, Malcolm from church, um, I'm not sure if you know him, but I'm living with him this year, and we've been watching a, a program together called Planet Earth Three. And um, one of the weirdest animals we've seen on there is something called a saiga. I don't know what what it is. Really odd odd animal, and essentially it's a it's a sheep with a really odd and big nose. Um, it's very strange, to be honest with you and um, this weird sort of weirdly big and strange looking nose serves two purposes It gets rid of the dust in the summer and, gets rid of the, and transfers, transfers the, the cold air into hot air in the winter um, let's be spiritual saigus <laughs> let's transform the cold air we hear from the news into warm good air Filter out the dust we so often hear about in the news. Let's transform that so we can breathe. We do this by looking at the news through God's character, through the lens of God's character and through the lens of God's goodness. Imagine what a different situation the Colossians would be in. if They chose to filter out the dust of the empty teaching they were hearing. Or, yeah, I, I, and when we read about how depressing the world is, on BBC News or or whatever your news channel might be. Let's be prayerful and thankful to the God who controls all of human history. Point one, sort of application one. Application two, how do we approach problems in the church? It's so easy to spot problems in the church and be consumed by them. Couldn't Paul have have done the same when he heard about this church starting to stray from Christ? Instead, he commends their faith and the outworking of it in love. And then, and only then, does he move on to the problem they're facing. How do we approach the problems we see in church? Are we people who can only see the wrong, what's going wrong, and sort of panic about it? When we get worried about certain problems? AEC isn't perfect, is it? Um, there's lots of ways it can be improved. And it's amazing that so many of us have fresh ideas. What happens if we did this slightly different? What happens if our witness was slightly more efficient? But so often we can approach it like, like the Yuan Rob translation. Ah, everything's going wrong. What's happening? Ah. Not Paul. Not the Christian mindset. First of all, and all this is going wrong. What does Paul do? He thanks them. He thanks God for them. He starts with praise. That's amazing, isn't it? Thanking God for what is good and true. Thanking God for who he is. Then he faces the problems. So different from that positive thinking mindset. Positive thinking doesn't really deal with the problems. Paul does. We need to deal with the problems. But we only do that, first of all, coming to God. Coming with thanksgiving. Coming with praise. Let me challenge you to, after you listen to this, write down ten things. You can pause it, I suppose. Write down ten things you're thankful for, for AEC. And thank God for them. I'm going to do it when I finish recording this sermon. How amazing would our church be if we were all filled with thanksgiving? And then we moved on to the problems. Third, how does this Christian mindset affect affect the way we um, deal with problems in our personal life? Perhaps you relate to the Colossian Christians today. You feel the pressures coming in on you from all sides. The, The calls away from Jesus. Jesus was once so clear to you, perhaps. But now things seem so muddled. Trials, pains, relationship breakdowns, disappointments. Never mind the world seeming desperate. Never mind the church seeming desperate. I'm desperate. I need hope. Where's my hope? Where can I get hope from? The Christian mindset is so helpful. Notice how Paul comforts these Christians. He doesn't start by thanking God for their health, for the comfort, for the good relationships in their lives. Good that those may be. He starts by thanking God that these people are in Christ. He doesn't start with a temporary. He doesn't start with the joys of the success of this world. He starts by the permanent truth about who they are in Christ, in Jesus. Hmm. This is the Christian mindset when we deal with our own problems. We start by, first of all, looking to who we are in Jesus. The sure foundation that every past mistake is forgiven. The rock-solid truth that we are in Christ now and the Father is a good Heavenly Father who watches over us. The firm and confident hope that we have that one day we'll be with God in heaven. That's our first point, the mindset of a Christian. Second, we're going to see the measure of a Christian. We see that in verse 4. Let me read that for us. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus... And of the love that you have for all the saints. That's why Paul is thanking God for these people. Perhaps you reach the end of that point about the mindset for Christian. You go, wait a second. I can't even thank God for my own faith. I can't even thank God that I'm in Christ. Tell me to be positive about my faith. I don't feel like I've got any or I'm not sure if I've got any or I actually don't believe in Jesus. What hope is there for me then? That's what we're going to look at now. The measure of a Christian, the measurement of a Christian, how do I measure up? The last point then leads on from this. The miracle of becoming a Christian will help us answer either way. If we say, yes, I believe I'm in Christ, how do we respond? Or if we say, look at this, the measure of a Christian, do I measure up? I don't think I'm a Christian. What hope is that? We'll deal with that in the third point. The idea that we're in Christ is a really big idea in this book. It comes up 19 times just in this short letter that Paul wrote. And by verse four, when we read it there, it's already the second time we've come across it. The whole theme, as we said earlier, of this book is that there's fullness of life is found in Jesus. Some people would summarize this book with chapter two, verse six, as you've received Christ as Lord, so walk in him. So the second thing we'll look at today, The measure of a Christian will be asking, Have we received him? Is Christ our Lord? It's all very well Um, talking about walking in Christ, growing deeper in Christ, experiencing the fullness of Christ. But before we talk about um, maturity and and growing, and before Paul does in this letter, he starts by the truth about the fact that they're Christians and that they've received Jesus as their Lord. Let me give you. a short story I, I was going on holiday in Easter walking through customs and I was clutching my my bun my bum bag you know sort of the, the bag that goes around your your uh, your shoulder and clutching it because it had something totally invaluable in that moment it had a passport there are some things you can forget is when when you're going through customs and when you're trying to get on a flight if you've forgotten your factor 50, your tiny bottle of Factor 50. It's not the end of the world, you can buy some more. I was going to Ireland, so it really didn't matter if I forgot my Factor 50. Your swimming trucks, forget them. Just buy another pair, a few quid, it's not too bad. There's some stuff it's more important to not forget. Your phone, that's pretty bad if you lose that, but you can always borrow someone's phone, or you—you um, you know use someone else's phone, or, or you know, buy a new one when you're out there, or, or something. Or your wallet. Again, you can borrow money. Important, but not the end of the world. But if you forget your passport, holiday over. You can forget about it. You might as well, well, you, you are going home. You're not getting through customs, are you? Life's a bit like that. There's so many questions that are really not that important, how we answer them. You know, um, is Jaffa Cake a cake or a biscuit? It doesn't really matter. Fun, but doesn't really matter. There's bigger questions. How do you treat people? Questions about truth. Questions about morality. There's one question everyone has to answer. Is Jesus Christ my Lord? Have I received him as Christ, as Lord? Am I in Christ? Verse 4 gives us two helpful insights to, um, to what the Christian life looks like. Two evidences, you might say. The Christian life and and um, yeah before I start let me just say I'm not God obviously I, I don't know for sure if anyone is or isn't a Christian um, and secondly this is an absolute proof there's there's more things to think about in the Bible but these are just two helpful bits of evidence that we see from the text that help us consider this question um, that's so important for everyone to think about have I received Christ Jesus as my Lord am I in Christ am I a Christian we'll see two things Christians rooted in Christ and they bear fruit of love. They bear the fruit of love and they're rooted in Christ. Two points. First of all, they're rooted in Christ. In the text, we see they have faith in Christ Jesus at the start of verse four. The first essential measurement of a Christian is do they have faith in Christ? Uh, it might seem obvious, but so many people go through lives, um, doing certain things in church saying certain things in church, even believing certain things in church. But when it comes down to it, they don't have a a relationship with Jesus. They don't know Jesus personally. A Christian does certain things. A Christian says certain things. A Christian believes certain things. But fundamentally, behind all that, a Christian is someone who knows Jesus. Do we know him? Do we know him? Second, we see, that they have love for all those people. They're rooted, and now we see they bear fruit. A relationship with Jesus must bear fruit. There's lots of Bible passages that talk about this. I was shocked to discover there's 101 different passages in the New Testament that talk about the need for a Christian to bear fruit. 101. We see that When we have saving faith in Jesus, we must always bear fruit. That's not to say that bearing fruit makes us, takes us into a relationship with Jesus, but rather a relationship with Jesus makes us bear fruit. 101. Just think about the nature of fruit. It comes as a natural consequence of life, doesn't it? You know, a a tree doesn't toil. It just sort of comes because the tree's alive. It bears fruit. You might remember a few weeks ago, we had Merion come and talk to us from John 15, talking about the vine and the branches. Well, that's the same idea. One verse in John 15 says, pardon me, whoever abides in me, whoever abides in me, that being Jesus, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. We see this idea in this passage, don't we? Look down with verse six, with me to verse six, and we see these Glossians, they're people who are bearing fruit and increasing, just as the gospel has done in, in the rest of the world. Or we'll take another passage from John, this time from one John, that talks about the necessity of bearing fruit, especially the necessity of loving other people. John chapter three, verse 14, and then John chapter four, verse 20. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. God loves people. God loves his people. Paul loves these Christians and is so thankful for these Christians because they have this fruit of loving other Christians. Do we love Christians? Do you love Christians? Do I love Christians? Christians? Are we producing this fruit? Being a Christian changes our relationships with the vertical, changes our relationship with God, but it has to change our relationships with others on the horizontal. Every Christian loves other Christians, loves those who love Jesus. It's an unmistakable mark, an unmistakable evidence of being a Christian. Two measurements. Loving Jesus, loving other Christians. That's heavy, that's a big thing to think about. And perhaps you've reached the end of this and you th- feel you're not a Christian. What do we do? Well, it's time to shape up, right? Time to just get everything together and time to just try really hard to love people and hopefully you'll be a Christian. Well, as much as that's a good desire, to try really hard to love other people, There's something much more amazing going on here. Third point, the miracle of becoming a Christian. Verses 5 to 8. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. These Christians in Colossae, the ones Paul is thankful for, are fruitful because of the hope they have in heaven. It's not because they've shaped up or got everything together, it's because God gave them a miraculous gift. Let's follow the text. In verse 5, we see it's because of the hope, it's because of the gospel, the word of truth, that they have this hope. What is the gospel? gospel means good news what is that well we get a clue in the next verse this this truth is called the grace of God that's the essence of the gospel grace undeserved favor undeserved love undeserved love of God manifest in Jesus Christ it's not something we produce in ourselves. it's not within ourselves it's a miracle of God it's a gift verses 21 to 22 of this first chapter of Colossians Read them with me. And you who once were alienated and hostile in minds. That's all of us, isn't it? We're alienated from God. We're hostile to God in our minds. Doing evil deeds, it carries on. That's all of us as well, isn't it? All of us hate other people and are being hated by other people. As it says in Thessalonians. All of us are, are, are against other people. It goes on. This is wonderful. If it stopped there, it's fair, it's an observation, but it goes on. He has now reconciled, Jesus has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. These verses are shocking. They would be shocking anywhere. They're so much more shocking because of the verses they come They come after. Verses 15 to 20. I would, I'd really recommend going to read these afterward Actually, no, I'm going to read them now. They're so wonderful. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus is perfect in every way. And it's this perfect God-man who comes down to earth. It's his death that brings us this life. Um... He's holy. He's blameless. He's perfect. But he becomes sinful for us. Another verse in the Bible says For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be an offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. We get his holiness. We get his righteousness. We're blameless um, before the throne, as it says. We're presented as above reproach. Because the one who was holy and blameless became nothing for us. If you're someone listening to this who doesn't know Jesus, you think, actually, I'm not rooted in Jesus. I'm not bearing fruit. This hope is for you. To return to the passport analogy, it's time to stop fumbling around. Have I got my speedos? Have I got my... They don't care at customs. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you got your speedos. It does a little bit. That's not going to end your trip. It doesn't matter if you got forgot your Factor 50. What matters is, do you have your passport? Are you answering this big question? It's a free gift. It's wonderful. It's a free, miraculous gift. You just ask God for it. You receive it. You receive grace. That's the very idea of grace. If you didn't receive it, if you worked for it, it wouldn't be grace. No working is required. Confess what you've done wrong. Where have you been alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Ask for forgiveness from Jesus who brought it with his own life, the most precious life that ever existed. Thank Jesus for his grace and ask God to enter your life as your savior. It's a free gift, but it will cost you everything. i warn you on that. It will cost you everything, but it's worth every penny, every pain. It's worth it all. Send me an email or um, pop me a message and meet up with me. I'd love to explain how much this costs, because it costs everything, but why it's worth everything. If you're a Christian here today and you think, I'm rooted in Jesus and I'm bearing fruit, what difference does this make to your life? Well, C.1. Continue in thanksgiving. Let's return to the passport analogy for earlier. You've got your passport, and you hand it into the, the the customs, ask a few questions, and then you're through, and then all of a sudden you're on the plane, and you're sitting back in your seat. oh, lovely, and you've got your complimentary uh, diet coke or, or whatever you drink, and you're sitting there. And how foolish would it be when you're sitting there with your diet coke to start thinking, oh, it took so long, it took so long to get through customs. Oh, I can't believe that. I'm, my mind's on my Factor Fifty and my, you know, and my, my Speedos and everything else going on. No, you you're in you're in. You've made it. You're in the chair. You're going to Barbados. You're you're going to wherever you're going to go on holiday. You don't think about oh what, where No, I'm there. I've made it. I'm going. Fuck friends. This is us. We have our passport. We've we, we've answered the big question. We know Jesus. Enjoy. We know the ending. We know how it ends. Well, our future is secure. I don't know if I've got time for this, so let me check the time. I probably should not, not, not carry on further, but um, we know the ending. The ending, is secure. The price it has been paid. I'll just read with you. Finish by reading some words from, yet yeah, not I, but through Christ in me. Why don't you go and listen to that song after we finish it? It's wonderful, it's so wonderful. No fate I dread, I know I am forgiven. The future sure, the price it has been paid. For Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon and was raised to overthrow the grave. Why don't I just pray for us quickly? Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that you are our Father in heaven. Father, hallowed be your name. Father, your will come and your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Father, bless us with a mindset that looks first to you, that rejoices in who you are, rejoices in the truth about you, and then, and only then, deals with the problems in our lives. Father, bless us with this glorious, glorious Christian mindset. Father, anyone here who feels convicted or thinks, that's not me, I don't measure up as a Christian. Father, let them be honest with themselves father and let them come to the cross of christ for grace the unlimited grace the most wonderful thing ever father please father let them accept that free gift not foolishly not understanding the cost but lord acknowledging the cost let them see how much it's worth it all to know you father let those of us here today who are your children rejoice let us be happy. Let us delight in the joys of heaven, not to minimise the problems we have in our lives, not to ignore them, not to be fake about them, Lord, but, Father, to know we have a hope so much bigger than the problems we face. Father, we praise you. The ending is secure. We've found our passports, Lord. We're going on holiday. Father, sustain us to that glorious day, and we'll see you face to face, and every ounce of pain and suffering will be worth it. Amen. Thank you.